0: In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick-and-mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, MJ Munsell, joining us from MG2. Welcome, MJ.
1: Thank you, Bobby. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for taking the time. I know uh, you're probably very busy during these days, but thank you for taking a few minutes. I I think uh, our listeners are going to be very excited to hear uh, everything you have to say. So again, thank you. Yes, absolutely. So so, uh, MJ, if you don't mind, just before we we get uh, started, if you don't mind uh, walking through what you do at MG2, what MG2 is all about, and then we'll kind of go from there.
1: Oh sure, I'd love to. So MG2 is a multidisciplinary design firm comprised of architects, interiors, and creative professionals, and creating solutions for the built environment. And we work in three primary markets focused on um, consumer experiences, which is the market that I'm uh, most involved in, community environments, and client programs. role at MG2, I am currently the CCO, Chief Creative Officer and responsible for directing the firm's creative output through all of our markets in all of our markets, supporting our design leadership and developing our framework for working with ideas. For the majority of my career, I have been working with retailers all across the board in all scales of brand and strategy and design and creating experiences crafted for constantly shifting consumer. I continue to actively engage with retail clients and teams, including efforts with Estée Lauder, Nordstrom, DSW, At Home, Brilliant Earth, just emerging. So, a, a large variety of retail types and clients.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. What are some of the as you as you kind of build you know kind of experiences and or build kind of different creative uh, you know kind of campaigns for these brands? What, what what goes into that? Like what what goes into your creative process and and how do you look at a brand and start to build experiences for them?
1: With the current situation in the world, um, we and we call it our framework for working with ideas. We typically look at what's going on in the world, what's impacting the retailers and, have, and the consumer, and work very closely with the retailer and what their goals are in a series of immersion sessions, because really we start with the, the consumer and the business, and then Define what is going to resonate most with the consumer and impact um, the consumer in their in every state that in their need, and obviously that of consumers evolving constantly, and work with the brand as their as their goals are continuously evolving in their platforms and their locations and the product that they're selling. So, typically we start in that kind of strategy area and uh, talking about the world at large and bringing that back into the brand and then driving that into solutions that impact the physical environment, how we as designers can bring those two together, a brand and a consumer and a product into a dynamic experience, and memory experience.
0: No, very, very exciting. Uh, What are some of the um, changes that you've realized in the, in the customer behavior, like going into the pandemic?
1: Yeah, I think that's, it really, it's such an interesting time. And there was so much happening before the pandemic. And I would say a lot of, our behaviors as consumers have been amplified during this time. So some of the things that we are very focused on now is, the, of course, the adoption of tech and this idea of conscious consumption versus conspicuous consumption. And I think the third thing that has really come out in a, in a big way is uh, supporting small and local establishments. I think in those buckets, there's a lot happening, but we as consumers, first of all, you know, we're forced to, if we weren't using tech before, we certainly are And if we were a retailer or we work in a lot in uh, in food and beverage as well, if the brands were not invested heavily in their digital platforms and technologies of of different kinds, they certainly are too.
0: Are there changes that you think are, are kind of temporary versus some that are more permanent or you think this is really the new way of the world? And technology adoption and all the things that are happening are are here to stay.
1: I think there's some um, in just recent readings, there's been a lot published in the past week because uh, retail sales figures just came out for September and with a lot of data, but some really interesting data points about even boomers adopting an online format of shopping. So uh, just for this one of the stats that I read, 45% of boomers are shopping more online, which obviously that makes sense because you know we're forced to right now. 61% of shoppers or say they're using one form of delivery service or another. And so there's some pretty staggering statistics. Target increased pickup sales by 60% and drove up sales by 700% in Q2, using different forms of digital engagement, primarily, you know, at least initially in Q2. So um, I think that we feel like some of these really basic forms of digital engagement, by online pickup on store, curbside delivery, home, uh, direct to consumer delivery, are are not going to go away. I think we're now adapted to that. We'll look for options to engage with a brand to decide if we want to actually go out to a store post-pandemic, 2021, 22, whenever that is. And um, I think there's some digital areas of tech that will continue to evolve and will evolve as consumers in in using those. But I think they'll be mostly as tools that make our lives easier versus tools that are kind of sexy and flashy, as we call it, you know, like the AI, virtual You know, some of those technologies, I think, are interesting. They've been most adapted by the beauty industry and with good reason. It's hard to right now. We can't really try on makeup or our beauty products. And so the consumer is kind of being forced to experiment digitally. And so that's kind of forcing virtual reality and augmented reality to expand a little bit more quickly in those categories. But I think for the large part, those are going they're not being heavily invested in by brands realm
0: as we're you know kind of maneuvering the next few months, going to the holidays and then beginning of next year, do you think there's uh, anything that retailers need to do to prepare for the, the holiday season and beyond?
1: Yeah, I think um, some interesting things have occurred just in a, you know, the last two weeks. Prime Day was, I think, 10-10, 2020. And uh, other brands were very aware of that fact. And so by Amazon, I believe Prime Day is usually earlier in the year. So they pushed that forward a bit. And that is seen as now the launch of of holiday, and other retailers typically would fall in step whether they're selling on Amazon or not with that timing of of Prime Day. And I think what we're going to see is these holiday promotions being starting now and continuing through the holiday season and consumers shopping in a a more expanded calendar than perhaps we have done in the past. Not to say that there's not going to be those last-minute purchases, but One, I think that retailers do not want to have the crush of shoppers. They can't physically have that many people in their stores, you know, at any given time. And the consumers are hesitant to do that, too, to go into as much as they have in the past. I think the other thing that we're seeing that this goes back into the evolving consumer is one of the trends that we're looking at as, you know, supporting local businesses. And, um, you know, we have all probably experienced our favorite restaurant, our favorite shop, our local coffee shop, potentially many of them struggling. And so we're seeing consumers really wanting to support those brands, the small and local brands, and make sure that they stay in business, make sure that the fabric of your of your town, wherever you live is, is still there at the end of this and that you don't see all these businesses going under. And so there's an interesting digital startup in San Francisco called true local that is creating a, a smaller consolidated marketplace for local businesses to give them a digital platform. So instead of, they may have a digital platform themselves, but this provides them to have a community, a marketplace that's really focused on that locale and so even in with digital, I think we're seeing the, the idea, the, the want, the desire to have these smaller, more focused communities and, and supporting your local community.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. As retailers are, are thinking about a lot of these changes and or, you know, kind of uh, focus areas that they put into play. One of the areas that has been a focus area is really merging kind of online and offline and omni-channel and all that good stuff. Are there areas that you think retailers get wrong and they should be conscious of as they start to build these online-offline experiences for their customers?
1: Well, I think it's it's tricky. We deal f- primarily in the physical space, and so everyone has probably experienced that. Whether you're shopping in your grocery store, particularly Whole Foods, has really been impacted by the um, delivery services and buy online, picking up or delivering to the customer, as well as pretty much every retailer out there. Especially the the large format retailers, the mass merchants, of the store suddenly becoming a distribution channel and a warehouse, and then you have people, not just customers in the store environment, but also people pulling product, whether they work for that retailer or they're a third party um, pulling product to deliver. And so the experience in store, particularly at the front of the store, is kind of in flux you know, there's some retailers, most retailers have had to quickly adapt to suddenly this surge and buy online, pick up and store and the need to connect their inventory so that they can, a consumer can see is that I went to Target this week and I was looking for weights. They said they had the weights. There are no weights on the shelves. i drove 10 miles to do that. So preventing those kind of things from happening. So that their inventories are correct. Their physical stores look good. They're still inviting and they're not just racks of buy online, pick up on store items waiting to, you know, either be picked up or delivered to customers. And so there's a lot for us to do as, as retail designers in order to, to create this physical environment that's morphing into part distribution center, part warehouse, part very experiential customer service environment. So we're looking at ways to combine all these, particularly at the front door of a space where it all happens. And then um, retailers on the back end being very focused on connecting their inventory digitally so that they know where a product is at any given time and they can tell the consumer that's in the store or no, we'll have to ship it to you and make that a, a fairly frictionless, seamless experience for the consumer. And that's that's an expensive proposition for a lot of the retailers to do. So we're finding that they're typically investing in those digital platforms as a priority. The physical is coming, you know, <laughs> we're starting to get more and more engaged in them with them in those efforts.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. And I know uh, that's 100%. Yeah, one of the things that I like to shop local as I like go into local stores, you're right. There's a level of like some brands doing it really well where the merchandising and how they're presenting their stores is still you know, very inviting to your point uh, and, and others that are just have made it into more of a curbside and, and delivery type environment. And I think, you know, the ones that are thinking about the merchandising and thinking about how they can be inviting and using really this time to learn from the data of who's buying, what they're buying and all that good stuff to make their stores more inviting are the ones that are going to you know, really thrive in the next you know few months and beyond.
1: It's a very interesting time in that when we do go to a physical environment, we want it to be highly engaging, entertaining, but we also want it to be really efficient. And we as retail designers and and retailers as well have focused on service through people, through sales associates, and then a physical environment that's beautiful, that's easy to shop, that's visual, that's seasonal. And so now all those things, these things are colliding and we're starting to sort out how to, particularly as you go toward a store and enter a store, what that first impression is. Do I go left or right? Do I go left if I want to pick up something that I've already purchased? Do I go right to be engaged into shopping experience? Is that clear? How not to have mixed messages? And then there's some really simple solutions, as you said, that I think it's interesting to see what some smaller format, local... Brands have done. We shop at a very small little bakery. There's only two. We're in Seattle. There's two of them in Seattle. And since the beginning of the pandemic, they pretty much have closed off their store. They've put their cash wrap, their small little cash wrap, at the door, literally. And you shop the windows. They're fortunate enough to have windows. So all their product lines the windows, and you can point to them, you know, which product, just as you would in a bakery case. And you can either order ahead and just they'll they'll pass you the product or you could pay for it there. But there's some clever adaptations, which I think make, you, like I had never gone to that bakery before the pandemic. And now we've become very local because it feels safe, clean, and kind of inventive in their own scrappy way.
0: Yeah, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Are there, as you see some of these, really some are more kind of delivery methods to be able to pick up and, and interact and all that good stuff. But as you, as you start to think about, Retailers getting back up and running and having, you know, people come and shop in their locations. Are there, I know every, every retailer is going to be a little bit different, but are, are there kind of holistic things that you look for in building in those in-store in experiences that you, advice you can give to maybe smaller footprint locations?
1: Yeah, I think the first, very first thing and most important thing is to welcome the customer in and to make sure that, especially right now, and probably for the foreseeable future, make sure that they know this is a safe environment. It's very clean. And that could be very simple solutions of hand sanitizer at the door, you know, just the usual things that we're seeing. And people like to see people. That's the reason we go into a physical store. So if you can afford it from a staffing level have someone say hey hi nice to thank you so much for coming in you know because people are making a choice to come in so even that small effort of, of acknowledging a customer at the near the front door and saying we really appreciate you coming in coming in have fun whatever you know your intent is for the experience so i think that's kind of the very first thing the second thing is to make it easy and clear because if you are offering Buy online, pick up on store, or curbside. There's a lot of like hesitation and uncertainty as to where do I go, and so it's kind of very like either you are, are there to direct them or have signage so people don't feel like they're crossing over other people, and you know they can get in and get out if that's their comfort level. And then I think the third is just to give them opportunities to really escape. You know, it's like we shop to escape. We always have. It's a form of entertainment. So COVID or not, and BOPUS or not, we still need to surprise and delight the customer. And so not getting so caught up in those kind of tactical, more technical moments of keeping people distant, safely distanced and keeping things clean is still helping them remember that the world's a good place and we're here for you. That's why we have stores. It's to service us and, and to give them those surprises and delights and moments where they can have a, a bit of a respite and a bit of entertainment. Cause it's actually one of the few points of entertainment, at least in our state, <laughs> that you could do,
0: Yeah, you know, it's all about those moments. I'm totally with you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> what's uh, MJ, you've probably seen a lot of great experiences and you've designed probably a bunch of them, but what's kind of your favorite in-store experience that you've seen?
1: Gosh, I was in Europe thankfully, and or maybe stupidly, I don't know. <laughs> in February for um Euroshop, and we took a side trip to Paris. And I was actually in Paris earlier in the year too. But I would two of my favorite stores are on the Champs-Elysées, fairly new. One is the Galerie Lafayette that opened on the Champs-Elysées, and it's a very, very special focused version of that very grand department store in Paris. And I think about it a lot because they do involve tech. I mean, you can through this kind of spectacular entry that's um, got a lot of shifting screens. And so, you know, you kind of get that buzz and there's great music. And then you walk into a very tactile environment that has a seasonal shop in the middle. And there's just a lot of beautiful moments in that store. It's easy to shop. It's, It's, I would say it's mostly luxury positioning of the product, but the people were so friendly. And i um, just so engaging that we're working there, which just makes you instantly feel comfortable, especially if you're in Paris and you don't speak French. But I think there's a lot of lessons that any brand can learn on any scale about that. Again, it's about inviting the customer in and giving them these moments that they could never imagine themselves, in, but then making it very approachable. And then their use of technology, they've done it very wisely of like, there's there's kind of the over the top knowledge that's largely visual. And then there's some really simple um, ways that you can use your, your handheld, your app or your phone, you know, to get more information before and after. So I would say before COVID, that was my, one of my favorite experiences. Post COVID, I think REI has done a great job pre and post COVID. I kind of think of it both ways. And um, REI is a Seattle-based brand. We are not currently working with them, but really appreciate how they reopened and the way that they reopened kind of gradually and giving customers still to this day, a lot of choice and how they interact with the product, having it shipped, picking it up in store, their environments are very engaging. I would say they, they have the right balance for their brand of using technology to where technology is beneficial to the customer and in a high touch kind of environment and um, really appreciate that they live their values and they extend their values onto their consumers and to the customer and to their sales team and to everyone that works there in the corporation. They made a dramatic move. I don't know if you're aware of this earlier this year, they had been building this corporate campus in Bellevue and they just released their whole campus, made the decision they don't need a large corporate campus anymore. So living their values to live outdoors and to you know, uh, live a more sustainable future, you know, they made that leap of faith. So great brand, but I, I think they've really evolved their store platform too and made it more engaging, and more imaginative, yes, less utilitarian. And again, making it more comfortable for consumers that may not be really into the outdoors. They may not be hiking every weekend. They just want to go and buy a backpack. So it's, Comfortable for the outdoor enthusiast as well as the kind of every now and then, you know, person that walks in there that wants something.
0: Yeah, they're a great brand. I totally agree with you. What are, MJ, what are some technologies that you've seen adopted faster than you you had expected?
1: I think the use of AI, it's kind of subtle. I don't even know if people are, use, are understanding what that technology is when they go onto a website or an app and interact with like a chat bot. And, you know, for sales assistance, I think that's. Definitely being adopted very quickly, and we don't even really think about it. It's invisible to most of us. So, I think that one we've looked at, I just read something where it's really interesting what retailers and executives are investing in. And what they are investing in is kind of the invisible technologies, inventory management software, order management software, CRM, those kind of things. Again, getting their inventory connected and the bottom of the investment are those kind of sexy technologies that we read about blockchain, facial recognition, augmented reality, voice search, virtual reality. I think there's the brands that are early adopters that are invest will invest in those and they'll, you know, they'll be there's always someone on the leading edge but for the most part all those technologies that we hear about are are kind of in isolated incidences and and not as pervasive as sometimes the media would make us think. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we yep, always talk, yep. when, when we go through there's always a technology conversation where we start working with any brand and you know it's it's ex- very very expensive investment it's a big investment for most brand even if they're a larger brand and so we always focus on what is going to mean the most to your customer make it the best experience possible also to your sales associate. And usually it's those less visible technologies. There is the desire to like, Oh, should our customer be able to look up information about a product with a QSR code or scan? The actual engagement with those technologies is pretty low. There are times when customers do engage with them, but I think it's more just let's test this out and see if it resonates with the customer. And I think nine times out of a 10, consumers going to want to talk to a person versus an app on the, on the, on a column in the middle store, you know, something that is going to, I think we'll see much more of, not only in grocery, but in other types of retail is the just walk out technology. As Amazon, and there's other developers developing that technology, but they announced in March that they'll begin to sell that tech to other retailers. And I think customers are getting more comfortable with it as they expand their Amazon fresh grocery concept that uses that in a much more a larger scale than their Amazon go and their four star stores. As that is consumers experience that the more consumers experience it, the more comfortable they'll be and, and retailers will purchase it too. For uh, it's fairly affordable now. So I think that's one that we'll see more and more of too, especially with COVID and the desire to have touch free environment.
0: That's great, MJ. Uh, that was a wealth of information. Any last kind of words or anything I didn't ask that you'd like to share? You know, with our listeners as they're thinking about reopening and really starting to thrive again.
1: I think that you know everyone looks at September to December as the you know the heavy shopping season. The, the fourth quarter for retailers is and for food and beverage is the biggest quarter that they can experience. And there's some positive indicators happening with September sales coming out that people are buying. They have a little bit more disposable income because they have not been going to sports events or theater or other forms of entertainment. They haven't been traveling. However, there is the flip side of that is that there's consumers, the consumer that has a lot, and they do have that disposable income and they're a large portion of consumers are really stressed right now too because of COVID potentially losing their jobs or having been furloughed for a while. So we kind of see both sides of that. So I think it's the indicators are cautiously optimistic, but, you know, remembering that um, it is a choice for consumers to come to the store and really welcoming them in in any way that you can, whether it's feeling safe, feeling welcome, feeling delighted and making it fun and easy.
0: Well, MJ, before we let you go, what, what are some fun things to do if you, if anyone ever visits Seattle?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, assuming that everything is open,
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you must
1: go to the market, Pike Place Market, one of our oldest retail environments, an outdoor mall, if you will. Even right now, it's open. People can go visit it. It's actually just down the street from our office. Taking a ferry, must do. It's the best way to see the city course, going to the Seattle Center and the Space Needle. And if you're interested in retail and emerging neighborhoods, the Capitol Hill neighborhood with one of the original Starbucks roastery is always a great stop. They actually, the Starbucks on their Starbucks campus, the Reserve Store, is a beautifully designed space and really engaging, too. And um, go to a Seahawks game, maybe next there year. You <laughs> next year. <laughs> yeah. the sure. so there you go. Next year. Or the Mariners. And our hockey go. team. So, yeah, we've got there's a lot to yeah. do here.
0: A lot to do for sure. Well, MJ, thank you again for taking the time. Really appreciate it. Our listeners are really going to enjoy this. And, and again, thank you.
1: Thank you, Bobby. It's great to meet you finally.
0: You too. You too. Happy Absolutely. holidays.
1: Almost. Happy holidays. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.